0: Hello, this is Don McPherson, your host of 12 Geniuses. I have the incredible job of interviewing geniuses from around the world about the trend shaping the way we live and work. Our guest today is Ray Kelly. He's a former Fortune 500 executive who now coaches and mentors leaders at all levels within organizations. In this episode, Ray and I talk about the different levels of leadership how you can ascend to become a level five leader and why leaders need to create an environment that prioritizes a sense of belonging for all employees. Ray, welcome to 12 Geniuses. Good to be here. I'm so excited to have you on the show. We've known each other for close to 20 years, and I consider you one of my very important teachers on the topic of leadership. Could you start this conversation off by talking about what the five levels of leadership are?
1: The five levels of leadership that most people have heard of are not this one, okay? <laughs> Jim Collins, and most people know Jim Collins wrote the book, Good to Great. I think it was first published in the late 80s, early 90s. And in his, that book, he talked about the five levels of leadership. And his five levels of leadership were all about the key attributes of great leaders. And then a gentleman named John Maxwell, mo- most people who are in the leadership follow that. He's one of the The biggest names in that area has written over 25 books, including a book called The Five Levels of Leadership. It's not that five levels of leadership either. His is all about the relationship between the leader and the follower. This five levels of leadership is all about the core competencies necessary to be successful. Okay, so I'll go through it with you real quickly. I know you know it, but the listeners probably haven't heard this. A level one leader is a person when told what to do gets the job done. That doesn't necessarily sound like a leader, sounds like a follower, but there's an old adage that says leading by example is one way of leading, but without it, all the rest don't work. A level one leader leads by example. This is the person you say, hey, Don, can you go deal with the Smiths? He goes and deals with the Smiths. A level two leader does level one, plus they can identify problems. Not a big difference between a one and a two. I think it's kind of human nature. Level three is you do level two, which is a one and two together, but you can also come up with solutions. One of the things I used to say to my people all the time was, I'm not that smart. Please, when I have an open door policy, but please come on in. If you have a problem, identify some potential options and solutions for me. I was forcing them to be at least a level three within my culture. So when you say, hey, can you deal with the Smiths? They run into a problem. They don't just bring a problem back to you, which is a level two. They come in with potential solutions, hopefully solving the problem for you. A level four leader is a person who does level three consistently, but can also mobilize a group of people around a common cause to drive a result consistently. I'll say that twice because it's a mouthful. A level four does level three, but they can mobilize a group of people around a common cause to drive a result consistently. Huge difference between a three and a four. This is a person that not only can work with a Smiths, identify the problem. Come up with a solution, but put systems and processes in place so we don't have to deal with this problem in the future. But also train and organize everyone in the organization so they get this and don't run into this problem. Love force—they don't just do it once; they do it consistently. They can mobilize people around any cause to drive a result. They know how to do that.
0: Do they need authority in order to do that? No. (laughs) (laughs) So you 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 understand what I'm getting at here? It's like that—that's not ordained on them but they you know they can use their informal influence in order to to do that you
1: got it it's 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 go back to my, maxwell's five levels leadership he calls a level 1 leader is the position level i follow you because you have authority you mm-hmm. have the right over me i have to follow you and i was really big on trying to create a culture that wasn't about stripes and what I mean, that's using a military analogy. Mm-hmm. Hey, your stripes are bigger than mine, so I have to listen to you. Your stripes aren't as big as mine, so I don't have to listen to you. Okay, it's our culture that we're trying to influence. So it was back to, it isn't at all about position. And that's why I wanted to position myself as the leader of the organization, come on into my office and influence me. Because if I tie it back to the fifth level, and I'll just do this for the audience here a level five does level four consistently. But what they do is they tie everything back to the bigger why, the vision, the mission and values of the organization, or of the vision, mission, values, or the big why for that individual. They tie it back to that. But most importantly, what a five does is they develop other level four plus leaders. So I'm going to play the freeze game with Don. So you've, you've heard this before, but the audience, I want you to freeze. I want you to write down what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and what you're doing Right this moment, as I describe the five levels of leadership, and I'm going to, because we don't have the interactive situation, and you've heard this before, so it's a little bit different, 90% of the people, 90% of the time will answer one of three things, if not all three of these things, okay? It's so common, I just did it yesterday with the group, and it, everyone in the group the shaking their head going, I was thinking this. Number one, they, they're asking themselves, what number am I? Where do I fall on this? Am I a three? Am I a four? Second question they're asking, what number are the people around me? Especially leaders. If you're in a, actually in a leadership position in an organization, a team, a group, you're starting to look around your, and you go, oh, I wonder what Donna is. I wonder what Sarah is. You're, you're, gosh, what number are they? And then finally, the the third thing that 90% of the people, 90% of the time are thinking is, how do I move myself and others up? So think about it. Self-assessment, self-awareness, inspiration to get better. The five levels of leaders was a form of a vision of creating a culture around leadership where we develop level four plus leader. We develop leaders to develop leaders to develop leaders. I called it leadership cubed. The power of that, because again, the right people all sit up and go, what number? How do I move myself up? And there's a few people who are like, no, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking what I was going to have for lunch, another stupid model, whatever it was. Usually, they're not going to take big leadership roles within your firm. Here's one of the challenges with the five levels of leadership for everyone. Is one is self-assessment. There are A lot of people think they're fives, think they're fours. Because one of the questions I ask a lot of my clients is, okay, you don't have to give me the answer, but I want you to think about your entire organization. How many level four pluses people can mobilize a group of people around a common cause to drive a result consistently with one caveat? And that caveat is this without your involvement, you could be in Europe for six months and you needed the business to move forward. A problem came, could they solve it and mobilize everyone around it without your involvement? And you watch their number change. You know, without me involved? And then I asked them the second question. I said, whatever the number is, zero, one, two, ten, fifty, 10, 50, whatever it is, what would happen to your organization if we could double that number? Go from 2 to 4, 10 to 20. And it was like our growth would explode, okay? You didn't have to rely on you to be responsible. And here's the safety tip for all the listeners. If when you're self-assessing your organization, if that number isn't a a squiggly number, Greater than one, there are no fives, because what a five does is develops leaders. That's who they are. They cannot not think about developing leaders. If you you have a really low number, there's a good shot that none of them, none of you are fives. I believe the number one reason why people don't have a level five leadership culture is intentionality. Ultimately, the leaders don't think about it. It's it's. It's an add-on to their culture. Hey, we're going to do some leadership development. No, it's just like this is the key driver to success in
0: organizations. Leadership, leadership, leadership. You work with Doug Lenick. He's been on this show a couple of times before, and he's been highly influential in my career. And he and I have had many, many conversations about leadership over the years. And one of the things that we've talked about is developing leaders and this mentality that if someone is reporting to you who's a high flyer, there's the potential they could skip over you and become your leader or even ascend higher within the organization. And he responded to me and we talked about it. He said, I never worry about that because if it happens, I won't have issues attracting other people to come work for me. And if, if I'm developing them to succeed and they go on to other parts of the organization and they're brilliant, I will rise as well. If I develop leaders who are better than I am, that makes me a great leader.
1: Yeah, the abundance mentality that goes with that versus scarcity mentality. Right. What a great problem. Because one of the things about the five levels of leadership, even if you just took five levels of leadership and just said, let's rank leaders on a scale one to ten. What happens is uh, a nine will only work for a seven for so long. Okay. They just, they will pass that person by because they need to continue to develop and learn and learn and learn. And the seven is only going to teach them so many things. Um. You don't want to hold your people back. You just don't. And actually what a great problem to have that Doug's talking about is you actually have some people blowing by you. It just because while they're blowing by you, they're carrying your organization in a lot of positive ways. So one of the things I was always thinking about is yeah, I wanted my people promoted. I wanted my people to take roles in different parts of the country. Um, because I wanted to help them get what they wanted for themselves. Is that what they, they wanted? And at times that would put you in a short-term bind, unless you have a culture of leadership development. There's always the next person coming up, the next person coming up. And that's what we wanted to create is that level five culture, not a level five leader, level five culture where everyone was thinking about developing the next person.
0: So from an individual perspective, if I'm a level one or a level two leader, how do I grow up the, or go up the, the ladder to toward... Four or five.
1: So you have to be intentional if you really want to become a great leader. And it's like anything, whether you're in music, sports, business. A lot of people were born with talent. Okay. Um, I don't care. I, I'm tone deaf. I don't care how much I want to perform at Carnegie Hall. It ain't going to happen. I've, I've tried it. If people ask me to stop singing in church. I'm so bad. Okay. Leadership, same thing. Some people are born with some natural talent around leadership, um, but many, so, but no matter what, you have to develop it. And if you want to really bad, like the young person wants to play at Carnegie Hall, it's like a practice and really dedicate themselves and get the good coaching and mentoring and all the different things that helps them, they'll have a much higher propensity to get there than the person who's just got a great talent and wants to just come to them. But I think intentionality is a big part of it. And then um, the second thing I would say to you to answer that question, how do you can purposely move yourself up, is is understand how adults learn. Okay, And another way of saying how adults learn is how adults learn and grow. And there's a simple formula that I heard 25 years ago, and I I don't think it's changed. But in terms of adult learning, it's 70-20-10. 70% of adult learning is by doing. By practicing, you gotta go up. You don't learn how to become a great violin player by watching a video, okay? You don't learn how to become a great golfer by watching a great golfers on TV. It can help, okay? Maybe it's part of the ten percent. That's the books, class, podcasts, etc. The twenty percent is the coaching and mentoring, okay? And I call that the multiplier. Um, so for anyone who wants to get really good at it, I actually think that's one of the most important thing is mentorship, okay? Having a good coach and mentor. You're going to have to learn the skills. You've got to have practice. You're going to have to go through this. You don't become a great leader unless you actually start leading people. My hardest leadership job by far was my first. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was so used to just doing it, doing it myself, getting it done. Now I had to get it done through others. That was completely different mind change. But experiencing is so important. The coach or mentor makes sure you don't make the same mistakes they made. They give you feedback right away. They get you to read the right books, take the right classes, all of that stuff. And that's why I call that the multiplier. So if I was thinking about to myself how to move myself up, I'd be very intentional. And part of being intentional would be write it down. Okay. Write down your, I I called it IDP, an individual development plan. It was part of my goals every year I wrote it down. And I know, Don, you've probably heard this, but maybe not everyone in the audience has. But people... When you write down your goals, you're twice as likely to achieve it than if you just keep it in your head. Twice as more likely to achieve it. That's a big difference. But if you share it with someone else, that goal that you've written down and you tell other people, hey, I'm going to go run a marathon. I'm going to, I want to become a great leader. And you start telling other people what you've, you jump into a couple new values or principles. One is accountability. But the second part of it is integrity. When you say it out loud to another person that you want to achieve a certain goal, you've tapped into integrity. I said I was going to give it my best effort to run a marathon this year, become a better leader, to work on my communication skills, my X, Y, Z. There was a definition I heard a number of years ago about The highest level of integrity is the ability to keep a promise to yourself. You think about that. The highest level of integrity, the ability to keep a promise to yourself. Almost all of those people that if we put in our mind, the people of the highest integrity that we know, those are people that you just like, they just seem to be there and count on. They're consistent. And it's because they keep promises to themselves. Now, here's one of the things I've learned about myself, Don, is I don't trust myself that well. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have the highest level of integrity. So what I do is I put a system in place, which is I tell other people, hey, I'm going to get this to you by Friday at noon. I just said it out loud. There's one person that I will let down in this world, and that's me. I try not to let down anyone else. So I say it to you. I'm going to deliver it to you. If I don't, If I keep it to myself, the only person that knows that I didn't do it was me. So if I'm trying to develop my way up to five levels of leadership, be intentional, write it down, and tell other people and enroll their support. I think it's part of human nature. So we people want to help you succeed. One of the secrets to this, and this is for people who are thinking to themselves, say, "Hey, I like to move myself and the people in my organization up." I always tell people the secret To be in a level four leader is do level five behavior. So I'd write that down. The secret to being a good level four leader is do level five behavior. And what level five behavior am I talking about is to be a good level four leader, mobilizing a group of people around a common cause to drive a result consistently, tie it to the bigger why, the vision, mission, values. So whatever you're asking people to do in your organization, you need to connect it back to the bigger why. So I'll give an example of this. Uh, many of us were around back then. Some of the listeners probably weren't. But back in 1960, when John Kennedy became president on his inauguration address, he challenged the country, we're going to put a man on the moon and return him safely to Earth by the end of this decade. That was the vision. NASA was created. And in that 10-year period of time, they accomplished just tremendous gains. And they put a man on the moon, return him safely to Earth multiple times. And there's a famous story where uh, Kennedy was walking around Cape Canaveral and he runs into a janitor and he says, young man, what is your job here? You remember his answer?
0: I'm putting a man on the moon.
1: Yeah, I'm putting a man on the moon. That, that's the famous part of the story. Last year at our Think to Perform conference, we had a speaker and he actually told us kind of behind the Paul Harvey the story behind sure. the story. At NASA, every leader, every department leader, every manager in NASA was required to have what they call ladders to the moon. Okay. Imagine a ladder, the top rung on the ladder, put a man on the moon and return him safely to earth. You had to connect every single project, whether you're in the spacesuit division, the rocket booster division, re-entry division, janitorial area. You had to connect what you were doing, how it helped put a man on the moon. Everything you're doing had to be connected to the bigger why. And they had to show their people. So the janitor actually felt the purpose of putting a man on the moon versus I'm just sweeping up. Like, wow, what would happen in your organization if you could connect the little things that are going on back to the bigger vision, mission, and values? So part of the question I ask a lot of my clients is, in order to do that, what would you need to have? A bigger why, a vision, mission, values. And I can't tell you how many organizations don't have
0: anything close to that. So this is, I I wasn't sure we were going to get into values, but I'm glad we are. So how should organizations be using these things, vision, mission, and values? Should they be opening meetings with this? Is this something that should be discussed in every staff meeting? Should they be recognizing people who who live by the values or demonstrate these values? so talk talk about all three of them. Simple answer is yes <laughs> I, I agree uh, we don't we, we don't in my opinion, we don't spend in our organizations enough time talking about these reinforcing these things, and that's powerful when the values are constantly identified, recognized, when people are living by them, then they become ingrained in who the people are within that organization. They become, they become alive. Yeah, absolutely. So
1: when I was first started in the workforce in 1988, the uh, CEO of the company I worked for was a guy named Harvey Gallup, In every single speech, he talked about the vision, the values, the mission of the company. Then he c- connect the key things we were working on, our goals, back to all those things. And what I thought was he needed a speechwriter. Okay. <laughs> if I heard the values one more time, I thought I was going to puke. Okay. Come on, vision. Give me a break. All of this stuff. I was a level one leader. When told what to do, I got the job done. And one of the challenges with the five levels of leadership is a one often can't see what a two does. Two can't often see what a three does. And a one definitely doesn't see what a five does. So part of what a five does, if you want to create a culture, is what you're talking about. It's like every meeting, we're talking about the values. We're connecting what we're working on to the bigger mission. How this serves the client, our vision and what we're trying to accomplish. You're always doing this. We would have things in our meetings where... This is how our, my leadership team meeting, I just bounce around. Values, Ken. Mission, Julie. And I think you're aware of this. You've, your work at Modern Survey, the people in an organization that can just espouse, know what the values are, are 51 times, not 51%, 51 times more likely to be fully engaged than the people who cannot. Holy smokes, there's almost nothing you can do in an organization. You can't have more comp. You can't have cool things hanging on the walls. That gets technology won't do 51 times. You connect them to a bigger why. The vision, mission, and values in the organization, they're 51 times more likely to be fully engaged, working, rowing with you than the people who can't. I'm not even sure what I'm doing. It's crazy stuff, but it's so simple. And what I tell leaders all the time, if you want a level five culture, it's not working harder, it's looking different.
0: One of the things that I found compelling about you is how you develop yourself. Could you talk about that a little bit? Because if I understand correctly, if I remember correctly, you identify one thing you want to get better at, maybe at the beginning of the year, and you focus on that throughout the year. Is that accurate? And how did this come about? And how do you make sure that you achieve it? These uh, three great ladies in the HR department took me under their
1: wing and said, Ray, you, you're busy. You have all this job. Let's just pick one thing you're going to work. One thing. We called it an individual development plan. We wrote it down. We then worked on bullet points in terms of how I can work on it. You know, an example, one year, um, I picked I want to be more effective at leading women. Okay, they helped me build a game plan of books to read, articles to read, people to talk to, mentorship, all of the different things that I would implement. And it's amazing what I learned in that. One year, um, I wanted to study high-performance teams. Okay, So it was like I wanted to go look at teams that year after year after year were considered the best, whether it was the Navy SEALs or a baseball team. How do they come back year after year? Because I wanted to create a culture that didn't develop that complacency. I'd write it down, put together a plan. I'd share it with my boss going, hey, this is one of the things I'm working on. I never had one of my bosses go, hey, that's a bad idea. You want to work on your your, um, communication plans, your listening skills, um, working with women more effectively, your mentoring ability. Whatever it was, they're all like, hey, that's a great idea. And I just followed my plan. And I think a key part of that was I wrote it down. And as you're probably aware, I, I, most of us have worked on a business plan for an organization or ourselves, and, and we may even write it down and have this cool document, okay? I remember taking over an organization five or six years ago, and I took over at mid-year. It was June, and my leadership team around me, and I said, all right, I assume you guys put together a business plan this year. Can I take a look? Yeah, oh, yeah, we did. Anyone have a copy of it? Not one person had it. Uh, one person went back and printed off a copy of it for me. It was, it was 20 pages long. I remember reading it at night in the next meeting, and I actually said, guys, this is a great plan. But no one uses it. No one has a copy of it. We went to an off-site, and no one had a copy of the plan. We're six months in. So what we're going to start to do, and this is, again, I had a good mentor and coach. It's good to go through the process of the 20-page plan and really look at strengths, weaknesses, really define the business with as much clarity as possible, but then narrow it down. And he said, one page. One page, I'll give you front and back. So you really have two pages. So on my one-page business plan that include my IDP, on the front of it is vision, mission, values of the organization, vision, mission, values for myself, and the big wigs for the organization. You flip it over, it's my business plan, it's my IDP. What are the big goals that I want to achieve? And then what are the plays I'm gonna run to achieve
0: these goals? I'm sure there are people who are listening right now, they went through the five levels of leadership and they assessed their manager, their leader. What advice do you have for somebody who has a leader who is a level two or a level three? A
1: seven will only work for two for very long. Okay. Back to if your leadership ability is stronger than your own leader, it's, it's only a matter of time. But part of my IDP one year was I wanted to go watch highly successful leaders in different industries. So I built my IDP and I went and watched different people, including one of my best friends who was a very successful executive at a financial services company. And I remember calling him and said, Hey, Scott, I'd love to go watch you. What? I'd like to spend a day just trailing. You've done great. There must be some things that you're doing. I'd love to pick your brain during the course of breaks and stuff like that. Would you allow me to do that? And he was like, sure. So I went and watched him. And in one of his morning meetings... It's kind of a conference room like this. There's seven or eight people sitting around the table, and I'm watching this, this interaction go on. And I'm, I'm pretty good at being aware of reading nonverbals. And anytime one of these guys spoke, I could just see my buddy Scott get uncomfortable. And after the meeting was over, I wasn't really sure what they were even talking about, but we debriefed. I said, When that one guy spoke, I could watch you visibly get uncomfortable. Who was that guy? He goes, that was my boss. I don't trust him, Ray. He lies. He lies in front of people. He tries to get lies to back him. And I didn't know what to say because I had never been in a position in my career at that point in time where I didn't implicitly, implicitly trust my leader. Okay, this was weird for me. I have now been in positions where that happens. Okay, and, and what I tell of the, the people out there, if you're in a position like that, is um, you're older entitled okay, you to nothing. You still have to figure out how to get it done, Okay, how to make it happen. Um, eventually, people figure these things out. Okay, they, they figure out the leader is incompetent. Uh, they figure out the person who is driving the organization's results and things like that. And, yeah, one of the consequences that often happens is you leave. You're happy for people when they're being promoted and going to a, a better place for themselves and their families, but for me, is when that person leaves the organization because they they di- didn't succeed. Okay, at least in their mind, they didn't succeed. That was so hard on me. And one of the things I um, talked to about to my leadership team is sometimes you lose some people, and organizations operate in a comfort zone. Individuals operate comfort zone. And part of your job as leaders, continue to press the edges, move the comfort zone up, expand the zone. And when you do that, there's always someone at the bottom of the comfort zone. If you move it up, they may be below what is acceptable in the organization. Now you're going to try to help them get above, just like everyone else get above. But some of them are like, I, I don't want to work that hard. I don't, want, I don't believe in this, the values the mission and stuff like that. So the first thing you lose is down at the bottom, maybe an okay thing. But at any point in time, you're losing your best people. <sighs> that's a problem because usually your best people are above the comfort zone level. That I'm, I need to grow, I need to develop, and I'm not getting here. They will go f- find a place that's good for them. So as a leader, and also as a follower, you start to one of the best people start leaving.
0: That's big time um, warning sign. Uh, another lesson you taught me, and will. Kind of wind down the conversation here, but another lesson, very very powerful lesson, and it had to do with intentions and actions, and it was on a webinar you did with uh, one of your colleagues, Chuck Walkendorf, years ago, maybe ten years ago, something like that. And uh, I've slept since then, so you're gonna have to remind me. So the so what it was is that the only person who is interested in your intention is you, people are interested in your actions. So understanding this really um, shifts how you take accountability really for ultimately for what happened. Stop talking about what your intentions were and focus on what the action was and how it made the other person feel. Okay, so we judge ourselves based on our
1: intentions. I intended to be on time, but if I ran into traffic, my son was sick all these different things, Others judge you based on the action, the result, okay? They don't know what you were intending. Um, the closer a person is to you, the more likely they will, will give you the benefit of the doubt, okay? Someone knows you well. I, I'm sure Don will be here any minute. I'm sure Don will be, must have run into traffic. I know a sick kid was sick yesterday. They... They're judging you based on, because they know you so well, your intention, but the average person who's never met you before, I'm judging based on your action. I have nothing else to judge you on because I do not have the ability to read your mind. So go back to the freeze game. When I had people play the freeze game, when we talked about the five levels of leadership, So freeze, what are you thinking, feeling, and doing? And I'd have everyone write this down. Think, feel, do. Self. Most of us are most aware of what we're thinking. Well, you know, or not, you, you think about what you think about. Next, you're most aware of your feelings and least aware of what you're doing. A lot of people say, I was doing, I was sitting here taking notes, which you don't <laughs> understand whether you had a frown on your face, you are sitting up, uh, your face was blushed, whatever it may be. What the, Next to that, right, other person, follower, they have no idea what you're thinking. You may have been thinking about lunch. What you're feeling, they have a chance to understand what you're feeling based on your actions. Oh, he's upset or he's excited. How do you know that? Because he has a big smile on his face and he's shaking his hands like he wants to talk. What they're most clear about is your actions. So go back to a level one leader. When told what to do, gets the job done. Leading by example is one way of leading without it doesn't work. It's just like other people judge you based on your actions. Okay. You judge yourself based on your intention. But as a leader, this is why self-awareness is so important. Are you self-aware to even know what you're telling people through your actions? And I can tell you so many people, I've coached enough people where they're like, um, I go watch them in in a meeting and watching them sit and make faces when people are talking or. Z out or sit in the back of the room versus up front and being engaged. And like, do you realize what you told your audience because of the, your team, because you sit in the back and look at your phone the whole time? Well, I, I, I was intending they're judging you based on your action. You're on your phone. It doesn't look like you're listening. They're judging you on that. It's a big epiphany. I said, to help yourself, go sit in the front, take notes nod your head
0: a lot, whatever it may be, but that is your actions that they're gonna judge you on. That's powerful. It, it, really, really important lesson for me personally and professionally. The other thing that has happened as a result of it is I have empowered people to let me know when what I am doing <laughs> is not necessarily in alignment with what I should be intending to do or or whatever. Yeah. So if I and particularly unapproachable that day, which happens, they can let me know. And that, and that shifts our relationship, right? Giving people permission to lead you,
1: I think is so powerful. Um, and getting the permission from the people around you to allow you to lead them. I call it the permission to lead question. You go back to those values that we were talking about earlier and if you're lucky enough to have someone share their values with you or you share your values with someone else. Um, I didn't learn this until several years into my leadership career of these two real powerful questions. I call them the permission to lead question. And it's after someone shares their values, their goals, their their intentions, you say to them, hey, um, two last questions for you. First, thanks for sharing all that stuff with me. I, I learned a lot about you. Would it be all right if I, if I see you doing actions and behaviors that are aligned with those values, those goals, your intentions, would you be all right if I point those out and congratulate you? Of course, what are they going to say? Yeah, of course. Happy to. On the flip side, if I see you doing things that are not aligned with those things, would you be all right if I point those things out? And more importantly, will you do something about it? And they say, well, I, well, I hope so. And what, you, what just happened is they, A, gave you permission to lead them. And there's nothing that stops you to give other people permission to, to lead you. Hey, if you see me not aligned with this, please tell me. Um, and the second part of this is this was the most powerful part of it for me. They gave me permission to lead them. But secondly, I made a promise to them, back to integrity. I promised them I'd high five and congratulate them when I saw them doing things in alignment with it. And I also promised them I'd say something when they're not in alignment. It was like, spinach for Popeye. It gave me courage. It gave me strength. Boy, it made leadership easier. Holy smokes. This is and when I got that, I was like, I was a heat seeking missile on high five and congratulating people. But at the same time, pulling people aside and going, hey, have these values or goals changed? No, why? Because I also promised you that I'd say something. I'm seeing some things that are, are a little concerning to
0: talk. It's that easy. If you do both. Yeah. If, if you, you only are, do the latter. one, one <laughs> people becomes kind of a bummer. But if you do both. Powerful. Yes, very, very powerful. Yes. Yeah.
1: One of the uh, one of people that was on my leadership team a number of years ago had dinner with her last week. She was offering me a compliment similar to yours going, I learned a lot from you. And, and she goes, you know, those permission to lead questions. I said, yeah. I was fully expecting her to say, hey, they really work. She goes. When you really have a good relationship with a follower, you don't have to ask those questions. It's just implied. And I'm like, you're right. Good point. Great point. You don't have to. But when you first start working with someone, try that. But after years of making deposits with someone, you can pull them aside at any point in time and say, hey, I'm seeing some actions and behaviors
0: not aligned with your values. One final question for you. What has the pandemic taught you or confirmed to you about leadership?
1: Well, I every year about this time between Christmas and New Year's, I I sit down and I I write what am I most proud of. Goals, accomplishments, also of things I didn't, um, and look back and ask myself why didn't I hit that goal or do so well there. But another area that I write down is what was my biggest learning for, and for twenty twenty one, I already know my biggest learning and. I think you were at the conference, the thing to perform conference. Dr. Vanessa Druscat spoke, and uh, she's a professor at the University of New Hampshire, and she's a s- specialist in team effectiveness. She talked about how the brain needs to belong, okay, the, the need for the brain to belong. And it's we're wired socially first, okay? So you go back to caveman days, Don. What happened if you were alone and you're a caveman back in the day?
0: You had a bad day. Yeah, you, <laughs> you <were> survived. <laughs> if you made it. Yeah, it was, you pretty you much you died. Made, yeah. So
1: you were yeah. wired, your brain was wired to be part of a tribe, to be right. social, to belong. And you think about what's going on in the pandemic, it's we're being isolated. And divided. And divided in a lot of different ways. And she talked about the study, and they wanted to research this hypothesis about this that brains need to belong. And she talked about this experiment called Cyberball. So, if you can imagine artificial intelligence goggles on and a hat with studied brain waves and stuff like that. And uh, you're playing Cyberball, you're basically playing catch. So, Don, you, me, and my son, Braden, are playing catch ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. As we're playing catch, they're watching the brain waves and stuff like that. And all these positive things are in the brain. Dopamine's being created. endorphins created. Oxytocin's dripping. We're loving it. Every single person's enjoying it. Then all of a sudden, we skip you. It's just, We go from ding, ding, ding to ding, 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 ding. You get skipped. The split second your brain gets skipped, it goes haywire. All those positive things stop. And it starts to go focusing internal, focuses on survival. So if you're on a team in any form or fashion, you don't want people focusing on themselves. Okay, and It's just like, wow, this is interesting. This is what's going on in society right now? We're getting isolated, skipped a little bit. They reran the experiment a second time. And this time they said, hey, Don, you're going to be playing catch with Ray and Braden. A minute or two in the exercise, they're going to start skipping you. Are you okay with that? You go, yeah, yeah, no problem. Not a big deal. So the expectations are set. You're comfortable with it. We rerun the thing. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Dopamine, endorphins. Brain's feeling really good. You get skipped. Ding, ding. The split second you get skipped, brain goes haywire. Even when you said it was okay, expectations were set. So the big learning for the year is the brain's need to belong is an involuntary thing, both positive and negative. I'm an introvert. I'm like a lot of you at home, kind of like not having to come into the office every day, kind of like not seeing my neighbors all the time. I like them social distancing in a lot of ways. Um, My brain doesn't. My brain says
0: I need to belong. You need to belong. You need to belong. Ray, this has been phenomenal. You're a great teacher, and I thank you for being an unofficial mentor to me, and hopefully you've provided an incredible amount of value to our audience here. Thanks for your time, and thank you for being a genius. Thank you for listening to 12 Geniuses. In our next episode, I talk with Major Lauren Serrano. She is a member of the United States Marine Corps and serves as the aide-de-camp to the Chief of Naval Operations. Major Serrano shares the tragic story of a marine who took his own life while under her command. We candidly discuss mental health, how she led the other marines under her command through the loss, and how she managed herself through that difficult period of her life. That episode will be released April 26, 2022. Thank you to Jonathan J. Tony and the rest of our production team at GL Pro Inland. If you love this podcast, please let us know by subscribing and leaving us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. To subscribe to 12 Geniuses, please go to 12geniuses.com. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a genius.